Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi. Welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. On the show, we want to give people information so they can be proactive in their health and take steps toward wellness. We rely heavily on functional medicine and some of the concepts of looking under the hood. We've had a, some, a couple of people come on who have actually cured their multiple sclerosis. We've had people come on who have reversed all the symptoms of their child's autism. So we're going to hear another sound, seemingly miraculous story today. Uh, with us today, we have Kevin Ballister. He recently wrote a book, How to Feed a Brain for Nutrition and Optimal Brain Functioning and Repair. Now, he has a, uh, quite an unusual story to tell us. In 2011, he fell 20 feet from a rooftop water tower scaffolding. His head struck a steel beam on the way down, crashing into the concrete below. He was immediately rushed to the hospital for life support, was in a coma, and nobody expected him to really function well again. The MRI revealed a severe diffuse axonal injury, which is one of the most devastating types of brain injury statistically. Statistically, over 90% of these patients never again regain consciousness, and most of them who do remain in a persistent vegetative state. So he's going to tell you about his miraculous story, because now he's bicycling, eating, walking, giving public lectures, writing books, and this is miraculous. Because if he can do it for his extreme condition, we can do it for whatever minor conditions that we have developing. Given all the toxins in the world that we've discussed with great detail, uh, these adversely affect our health. They're getting through our brain blood-brain barrier. So we have, uh, most of us have cognitive challenges that are waiting for us as well. So his message is very important for each of us because we want to be cognitively healthy throughout the rest of our life. So... I welcome Kevin. Welcome to our show. Oh, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate you for, for I appreciate you saying that that this is for anybody. You know, I the name of my book is is How to Feed a Brain Nutrition for Optimal Brain Function and Repair. You know, but brain function is ultimately. What I did to recover is optimize my brain function. And how important is that? Because I think we all are going to be cognitively uh, impaired. We've had lecturers tell us how EMF opens our blood-brain barrier, how glyphosate opens our blood-brain barrier. So all sorts of creepy crawlies and toxins everywhere are entering our brain. So is this going to be an issue for all of us? How do we repair our brain? But first of all, you had what was called the traumatic brain uh, incident, which is abbreviated TBI. Now, many of us might think we don't have this, but many of us do. I mean, we could have mild little bonks on the head, and these bonks can be repetitive, and they set off the microglia of inflammation and, you know, leading to brain dysfunction. So 
Why don't you tell us what a TBI is? Because you had about the biggest TBI that one can imagine. Well, thank you for saying uh, what you said about many of us don't think that we've had a TBI. Because that's uh, I just got off the off off of an interview with Dr. Titus Chu, um, who is a functional neurologist. He was on the Broken Brain series with Dr. Mark Hyman, and he's fantastic. And uh, and we were talking about how how concussions are so prevalent, and and just brain injuries in general. Most most people are walking around with brain injuries, have no idea. And they have cognitive issues, post-concussive syndrome, have no idea. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, let, me, let me jump into my story then. Uh, six and a half years ago, as you said, I sustained a severe traumatic brain injury. While I was in a coma, I was diagnosed with a diffuse axonal injury, which is a type of brain injury that statistically 90% never wake up from. And... I uh, I spent the next 12 days in a coma, um, and then I got really, really lucky and fortunate, and I woke from that coma. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't like I woke up and was like, all right, now I'm good to go. Cool. Let's do this. Um, I, was, I, I woke up. I was in a severe brain fog. I was unable to eat, unable to unable to eat, unable to walk, unable to talk. And my uh, left hand was completely flexed inward. I was breathing through a tube in my neck and I was receiving nutrition through a tube in my belly. And, uh, and I, uh, I want to talk with your audience about that as well. But um, let's fast forward Several years, a lot of hard work, so much went into my recovery. But at one point, I was, uh, I was introduced to a nutritional protocol, and I began this protocol, and I began to regain clarity. And I was like, whoa, there's something to nutrition. And this was, like, off of my radar. Like, who, who would have thought nutrition matters when it comes to your brain health? Right, like we all get that now, but I, it was not on my radar at that point. But I saw what happened, and I was like, "Okay, nutrition holds many of the keys. Why?" And I began to study. Um, I, I was researching metabolism, neurometabolism, mechanisms of neuroplasticity. I was researching digestion, so I wanted to learn how I could absorb the nutrients that I was eating and get those nutrients to my brain. And then what were the optimal nutrients to get there? So fast forward, here we are, and I just published my first book, and I'm, I'm working tirelessly like you to improve the standard model in neurorehabilitation, improve medicine in general, and to uh, improve as many lives in the greatest way possible that I can. Okay, so tracing back, a TBI, once again, is a severe head bonk. And uh, my understanding is when you have this bonk, uh, the microglia, you know, get very active in in immunity cells, and you get all this neuroinflammation, and this will lead to a steady uh, brain decline. 
And I just multiple bonks, I suspect, will do the rest. Like, look at mm-hmm. uh, Muhammad Ali. He has what's called what should, uh, dementia puglulista, which is from getting multiple bunks from being punched in the head. And he ended up with Parkinson's and dementia. It's a really sad story. There's been a lot of research on football players that they get multiple bunks. And I think some people, including perhaps Daniel Amen. Look at the brains after they died early with dementia, and some of their brains look like soup. So uh, getting a bonk on the head or multiple bonks is really serious. So this is what Kevin went through. His brain had great injuries, and how interesting it is that nutrition helps bring this around. So, mm-hmm. um, so you don't need to hit your head to sustain a brain injury, do you? Actually, no, you don't even need to bump your head. Um, uh, the, you can you can sustain a brain injury from whiplash. You get, I even I even heard that you can sustain a brain injury from something as seemingly benign as a roller coaster. And, Whoa. and <laughs> can you believe that? Yeah, I was watching a presentation from uh, from Rob Wolf, and uh, he he said he said this like Doc Parsley told me that. We can we can actually sustain a brain injury from a roller coaster, and that's the thing. It's the coup contra coup, or it's like when your head's accelerating in one direction, and then and then it stops or it goes the other way. Your brain is like is like it has the consistency of tofu, and it's and it's hanging out in your in your skull with a uh, with a layer of, of fluid. And a few layers of of uh, resistant tissue. So when you when you are going fast and you just instantly stop, your brain sloshes around in there, and that can cause some serious injuries, including twisting and tearing of the axons, which are uh, hallmarks of diffuse axonal injury, the injury that I sustained. Well, I would like to extrapolate this even further because if anybody's listened to the last month's, uh, I mean, or the podcast that took place in May and April, uh, it focused heavily on toxins and our environment's increasingly toxic and the government seems to think that's an okay thing for us to go through. And then as uh, many people have pointed out, glyphosate and electromagnetic fields open the blood-brain barrier. So even without a bonk or a counter-coup event, we still will have assaults on our brain uh, which will challenge us and lead us down to path of cognitive decline. I mean, Alzheimer's and various dementias are increasing rampantly. So I don't think you need a uh, traumatic injury to have uh, Kevin's program to be of use to you. Amen. And, and I like that you brought up the blood-brain barrier because if you have an injury, your blood-brain barrier is definitely open. So I, I learned this as well, and you talk a lot about the toxins being introduced, the glyphosate, DMS, things of this sort that open it further. On top of it, like glyphosate is a neurotoxin. So we're introducing really toxic things as well as uh, aspartame and, and other artificial sweeteners are just terrible for the brain, right? As if, especially if you do not have an intact blood-brain barrier. So one of the first things I needed to do was repair my gut 
my my gut landing. So I'm sure you've talked about leaky gut on this podcast. And then I also need to repair my blood-brain barrier. And that's that's very, very important stuff for us to do. And then to feed our brains with the nutrients they need. Now, let me just just for the listener, blood brain barrier is this protective barrier that separates our brain from the rest of our body and the rest of the world. And it's important that be intact. But I mean, even I suspect even taking something such as a statin, which lowers cholesterol and many of them go through the blood brain barrier. The neurologist will readily admit that. And if they're taking away the cholesterol and reducing it in the brain, we need the cholesterol for our cell walls. So I suspect mm-hmm. even statins that go through the blood-brain barrier are going to challenge us. And there's many things challenging us we don't know. Our spartane is a big one. I mean, our FDA approved this uh, substance that we know causes cancer, and they approve it to put in our food. The hospital I work in has it in the drinks in the cafeteria. But as, as, as Kevin points out, the, uh, the gut is hugely important in most of our health conditions. And many speakers have mentioned that the integrity of the gut is very much connected to the integrity of the blood-brain barrier. So if you've got a leaky gut, chances are that our blood-brain barrier is letting all sorts of creepy crawlies in. So this is probably affecting all of us. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, if, if, if you're alive today... It's probably affecting. Yeah, and none of us want to lose our cognitive abilities because it's so tragic when I see somebody that doesn't even remember their wife, their children. I mean, that's tragic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what was it like in the hospital? What was that experience like? <laughs> Man. All right, so I woke up from uh, my second coma. That's when my memories begin. Um, I was awake between the two comas. Basically, I, I woke up from the first coma, and then I developed breathing problems, and I was put into an induced coma, and uh, eventually given a tracheostomy. <clears throat> and when I woke up from the second coma, that's when my memories vaguely begin. And I say vaguely, not because the time is approximate, but because my memories are foggy at best. And that's how I remember experiencing them. Like I was, I was in a dense fog, um, and it was it was surreal. It was like a crazy movie, you know, where everybody was telling me this story that I didn't remember. I didn't believe. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even recognize my friends and family. Um, you know, I like. I, I actually, I I could. There's different kinds of memory. And so, like, um, when I saw my mom, she told me, she's like, hey, Kevin, it's your mom. You're okay, right? And uh, I I felt warmth from her, and I'm like, she told me she's, she's probably my mom, right? And I put those two together. But actually, my dad was there, and um, he never told me that he was my dad. And while I, I felt that feeling of warmth, there was a point when I looked at my mom and I was like, where's my father? Oh, wow. And, yeah. And then I looked at my, and then she pointed at my dad. And it's like, he's right here. And I saw the pain that my spotted memory um, inflicted, you know. And it, it, was, it was rough. Um, and then, you know, regaining 
brain functioned. Wow. That was a long road, you know, relearning how to walk, how to talk, how to, uh, how to do anything really, um, how to function. It was a long road. It was, uh, and a lot played into the, um, pieces of recovery beyond just the therapies. And I teach this. I think we feed a brain in many ways. And one of them is with our mindset, emotionally, spiritually. We need to, we need to feed our brains in, in ways beyond nutritionally. But that's, that's a topic of a whole other podcast. Well, what do you have to say about hospital attrition and feeding tubes? Thank you for bringing that up. So while I was in a... While I was in the hospital, unable to eat conventionally, you know, I said I couldn't eat. I was being fed through a gastric tube. And a gastric tube, it goes, um, it basically bypasses um, the, the part where you chew your food and you mix it with saliva and swallow it. And it basically puts already um, liquid food stuff, and I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, into your stomach. And the reason I'm putting those in air quotes because what the ingredients are of that feed is corn syrup, soy protein, that's like corn maltodextrin, oh. calcium catenate, canola oil. Oh. And that's just the base of the formula. And that's like the standard of care, right? So, I, I mean, this, is, this really is just um, an aspect that should be – I mean, it's criminal. Like, I think everybody can agree that you don't feed somebody who's trying to recover from really anything corn syrup for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for months or years for some patients. Well, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, corn syrup, we have many uh, people discuss, is very bad for our health. Most of it's genetically modified. And it's very highly processed, and it's one of the worst foods, probably one of the major contributors to the health epidemic we have. Robert Lustig uh, has done a lot of research in this area, and corn syrup is definitely a culprit. Canola oil is also mostly genetically modified, but even if it's not, like Whole Foods says, ours is not genetically modified, it's highly processed. It's an industrial oil. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a rapeseed oil. We shouldn't be eating highly processed oils. I mean, even vegetable oils. I mean, these will ruin our cell walls and the walls of our cells in the brain. So what are they thinking? Mm-hmm. You know, I think about like nutrition from an evolutionary perspective, kind of a guilty until proven innocent uh, perspective, because like when we look at, at scientific research, First of all, long, long, like we want to see long-term studies, and what's really upsetting is that long-term studies are six months to be approved. And I intend to live longer than six months. I intend to have kids, right? Like, I'd like to see how what what our behavior is looking like for for us in the long run, and then for our our. Uh, for our offspring, right? And so it's it's just uh, the idea of guilty until proven innocent 
It's like, okay, corn syrup. It's now it's been around a lifetime. And what are the effects of it in like a truly like lifetime study? Well, we have to look at, at the, uh, the, um, epidemiology, the, just what, what it looks like in our society. And you take a look and boy, have our chronic diseases skyrocketed and has our weight just, just, um, the obesity epidemic. I mean, it's an epidemic, you know, and it's really a, uh, based on our environment and our nutritional environment, what we're, what we're feeding ourselves. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Well, if you want more information on how bad high fructose corn syrup is, Robert Lustig has published on YouTube uh, a video discussing the uh, problems with sugar and high fructose corn syrup. I mean, before fats were listed as a demon, so everybody switched to um, eliminating fats and increasing carbs and high fructose corn syrup, which, as Kevin points out, has been a disaster for us. And speaking of these studies, it's even worse. When you've got industry-funded studies such as glyphosate and EMF, I don't even think they wait six months. I think they get the results a lot quicker before really bad things can happen. Mm, Quite possibly, yes. Yes, and, uh, you know, again, with the guilty until proven innocent goes far beyond corn syrup, like industrial seed oils, as as you were saying, like, all right, these are absolutely new additions to our human diet. And, it, like, granted, there has been a lot of new additions to our to our everything, right? Um, but when we look at how profoundly nutrition affects our health and then how much um, has changed, like, really just stepping back a little bit and being like, all right, so what's we we were totally able to survive without corn syrup, without glyphosate, without GMOs, without all this stuff, and not only were we able to survive, we were able to, you know, not be um, prone to these these chronic conditions and neurodegeneration, as you were talking about with with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and uh, and dementia. So, yes, I think this is all very, very relevant. But this is so alarming to me because hospitals, I would like to see as a haven of healing, and if they have Mm. diets that are making us sick, what the H is going on here? (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) Well, you know as well as I do that there are many uh, lobbyist contracts and uh, special interests involved, and that's what it comes down to, I think is the bottom line. You know, it's a lot cheaper to have a shelf-stable, quote, nutritionally complete. Um, And the way it's nutritionally complete is by introducing um, uh, supplements or or isolated nutrients in their, like, in really terrible forms, really, like, not very bioavailable at best, or at worst, toxic to human physiology. I would like to emphasize this point because it's come up so many times. For example, I mean, the industry 
uh, interest and Congress uh, passing laws that hurt us. I mean, the FDA, for example, with GMO, their scientists said, wait a minute, we need to wait on this. And they plowed ahead, apparently, uh, uh, industry in, uh, interest. EMF, there's uh, studies showing that cell phones are connected with brain cancers and various other things. And uh, we can't, there was a law passed in 1996, you can't stop the placement of a cell tower for health reasons. Think they knew something? Fluoride, another one. They didn't know what to do with this toxin. So when the Clean Air Act came out, oh, let's put it in the water. And uh, certain organizations are funded heavily to push this on us. Uh, Aspartame, which you mentioned, I mean, the FDA pushed that through with the help of Donald Rumsfeld, even though they knew it caused cancer. I mean, we really have to be proactive and look at our health for ourselves because our government uh, seems to have other interests and it don't seem to focus on our health. So that's why, you know, we need to get information, study, learn, and help share it because so, we can't count on the government. This is a grassroots movement. Absolutely. We need to uh, inform ourselves and we need to spread this information and uh, spread this information and try to find a, um, a solution, you know. But something that I often talk about, uh, and this this is uh, neuroplasticity. Um, I, I, I use an analogy to describe neuroscience, and I essentially say, um, you know, think of your brain as your garden. You have 86 billion plants in your garden. You have 86 billion neurons in your brain. Your thoughts are like the seeds, and your attention is the sunlight and water. And if you ask any any neurologist, any neurobiologist, any neuroscientist, anybody who understands brain plasticity, they'll tell you, yeah, what we give our attention to, those pathways, they grow. Those plants grow. Those axons grow. And they synapse with each other. They get stronger, right? And we all have weeds in our garden. We'll have... Uh, you know, thoughts we'd rather not be ruminating on, habits we'd rather not have, things of this sort, right? And the thing is, we can't reach in and pull the weeds. And I bring this up because we, yeah, we can't pull the weeds, but what we can do is we can give our attention to the plants we want to grow, to the flowers in our garden. And while we recognize the weeds, we, we better take inventory and see the weeds so that we can deal with them because if we don't, they will overtake your garden. But so how do you focus on how do you focus on a beautiful flower? Is it spirituality and meditation? I mean it must take more than just a positive outlook. Well, let me back up a little bit to this analogy that I'm, that I'm giving to explain neuroscience because the thing is, it works for everything. Business, relationships, um, politics. Like, we do not create the new by dismantling the old. We, are, we don't change things in that manner. We change things by creating the new. And after a while, the attention changes from the old to the new. So, so how do we do that? And I think that has to do with the mind shift, you know, of like, here's, here's, um, 
you know, here being constructive with things like what we are building is something that is going to be better than what is already established. And this is why I'm working with companies and I'm, I'm, I would love for other companies to reach out to me um, in order to create real food gastric feeds um, that can be utilized. And I'll, I mean, there are real food gastric feeds out there, but I want to get, I, w- I want to get it to be common practice, standard of care, you know, which means it needs to be affordable, it needs to be competitive, all of these things. And I think we really stand a chance to make some, some headway with this. I like your approach that we don't want to tear down what we've got because that sounds like it would be chaotic and worse, but adding and guiding the system we already have, I like that a lot. So what did you do to start healing your brain and your body? Healing my brain and body? Lots. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> but um, but uh, we can definitely start with the nutritional aspect. So, um, so I was, I would, the, the original diet that I was introduced to, the original nutritional protocol, was a leaky gut protocol to heal my digestion. The supplementation was mostly to uh, heal my digestion. It was also to provide my brain with some of the building blocks that, that uh, were needed, for example, choline, um, uh, through alpha GPC and uh, and fish oils, um, especially those high in DHA. Um, and if if you're interested in learning more about the supplementation that I take, head over to feedabrain.com and there is a handout that you can grab for the uh, the supplements I. Um, I regularly take for brain health. Well, I like um, this. And some, one of the things that is in, in some of your writings is just to summarize some of these things is reducing, like most of our speakers say, processed food, fast food, sodas. Sparkling mm-hmm. water is okay. As we were talking, remove refined sugar, high fructose corn syrup, additives, artificial sweeteners, all veggie oils, grains, corn, limit mm-hmm. the starch vegetables and high glycemic fruits. Um, avoid trans fat and milk and wheat for most people are problematic. He also recommends eating plenty of fruits, veggies, leafy greens, colored greens, sulfur containing, uh, bone broth he uh, advocates. He emphasizes the importance of hydration, gut health, controlling blood sugar, complete proteins, high quality fats and oils, superfoods such as organs, meats, fermented foods, sea vegetables, cold water, fish, Nutrients, as uh, he's definitely very high on choline, which you can find in organ meats and yolks. DHA, which you can find in cold water fish. And vegan DHA is preferable to some and liquid fish oils. And uridine, which is found in organ meats and broccoli. Uh, Anything you'd like to add to that? You really did your homework. That was amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot of what I'm talking about, you know, um, Bring in that's bringing in the good, taking out the the stuff that's going to um, hinder our recovery and and disrupt our 
optimal brain function. Um, is there anything? I don't think I don't think there's anything that was missing there. Oh well, we can certainly go into more detail, and that's kind of we what happened when did. you send me a copy of your book. So that shouldn't be no surprise. Um, well, my so what pleasure. Kind, what kind of diet? I understand that you were into a ketogenic diet. Uh, we just had Dr. Agostino talk great detail on the ketogenic diet. Right. And we've had others as well, including Amy Berger and others. So, well, tell me about your experience with ketogenic diet and what led you to it. Yes, yeah, so keto's it's 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 a really powerful tool for us. Um, essentially, what let's let's start with what led me to ketogenic. So I was um, as I was recovering, you know, I was researching everything I could to understand how I could give my brain the best shot to recover, and so I'm reading articles, listening to podcasts, watching videos. Um, reading peer-reviewed literature, and I came across Dr. Alex Vasquez because what I was doing was very, was functional medicine as I understood it. And so I was Googling functional medicine and like looking at brain recovery and things of this sort, and I came across Dr. Alex Vasquez, um, whose name is like, I mean, this guy's, extremely accomplished. He's doctor of osteopathic medicine, doctor of chiropractic medicine, doctor of naturopathic medicine, three doctorates. On the Institute of the uh, the Institute of Functional Medicine, written over hundred and twenty articles in peer reviewed journals, um, over twenty textbooks. I mean just crazy accomplished. And he was an adjunct professor at Bastyr University in the Northwest at that time. And he made uh, videos available to his students, like like extra information or or lectures that he would just he would post online for his students. But he they were available, and I found them, and I was able to watch them. And so I found him on Facebook, and I wrote to him to thank him for making these online resources available because they were extremely helpful for me to understand um, what I could do to, uh, to heal myself. And uh, I told him a little bit about my story, and he was like, wow, Gavin, we have uh, the International Conference on Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine coming up, and there is an entire day dedicated to the brain. He said he should come. And, um, I mean, I had to come. You know, that's, that, that was amazing that I was just invited to this medical conference and I'm, I'm not a medical student or a, uh, or a practitioner, right? And so while I was there, um, I was talking to Dr. Vazquez and, and I asked him, you know, what, what do you think is the most, the best diet for the brain? And he said, honestly, a ketogenic diet, I think the research really, has um, shows amazing benefits, you know, and so I made note and I'd heard of the ketogenic diet, um, which is essentially a high fat, uh, low carb diet for the listeners, and um, and then I also met Nora Gaudis um, at that at that uh, conference, and she brought up the ketogenic diet as well, 
And I was like, all right, they're like, universe is putting this on my plate, right? So to speak. And so I began to look into it and tiptoe into a ketogenic diet. Um, but of course, ketogenic diet can be dangerous if it's done wrong at the wrong time for the wrong person, you know? So, um, so feed brain is not, the feed brain protocol is not necessarily ketogenic because we want to be, we want our metabolism to be prepared to go ketogenic before forcing it to go to ketogenic. Otherwise, we're, we can have serious like adrenal issues, thyroid issues, etc. So this is why um, this is why I wrote the book the way I did, so that we're supplying what we need and we can move into a ketogenic diet because essentially what what ketones are so preferable as far as fuel for the brain goes that our brain actually if glucose is present and ketones are present your brain will take up the ketones before it takes up the glucose so what 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 are ketones sorry i'm 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 uh, just kind of running with this should i slow down a bit susan as you like uh, my, our goal is to give the information to the listener. Beautiful. So, um, so what are ketones? Ketones are um, metabolized from fat. So our body is able, and basically every living organism on this planet is able to metabolize glucose or sugar. Um, you know, bacteria uh, can also do this. We humans and several other mammals are able to metabolize fat. And the way we do this is through, is through ketogenic metabolism. So what does that mean? So when we eat sugar or carbohydrate-based diet, our blood sugar goes up, we uh, release insulin, which shuttles that glucose, um, into the cells of our body to give energy. Any excess is shuttled into the liver and stored as glycogen, and or it's, it's stored as glycogen in the adipose tissue or the visceral fat, which is fat around organs or fat on your belly or anywhere else on you. Um, so... You know, it's, it's, it's for 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 vanity's sake. You know, we, we uh, many people are worried about the fat on their body. So there's a great reason why ketogenic is powerful for for losing that sort of fat. And then additionally, um, but but of course, the visceral fat, the fat around our organs, that's the deadly stuff, and that's the stuff we want to really deal with. But, uh, but, yeah, as I said, ketones are extremely efficient fuel sources for us. So, essentially, from sugar metabolism, we get more free radicals as a byproduct and less energy than we get from toxins. Or, yeah, less energy than we get from glucose. Sorry. So... So, yeah, if, if, if we can choose a metabolism that gives us 
less toxins and more energy, we want that. That's a good thing to have, especially for our brain. Well, this ketogenic diet is important because uh, you're referring to insulin and it's the spikes in insulin or spikes in sugar if it goes very high or very low. Each time that happens, it's an insult to the brain and this damage is cumulative. But also an uh, increase in insulin and insulin resistance leads to just you know, a lot of inflammation, oxidative stress, and most of the diseases we know about. Also, but this doesn't mean to rush to a lot of protein like Dr. Atkins' diet, because if you eat a lot mm-hmm. of protein, that also will raise glu- uh, insulin if you eat too much of it. It kind of converts to sugar. So we have to very wisely temper this with uh, fiber and very healthy oils, which might include MCT, coconut oil, avocado oil, and everything's got to be organic. So ketogenic diet does not mean to just dump into the meat. Uh, I've got a podcast from Dr. D'Agostino, uh, who's researched this extensively, and you can get more information there. Now, also, we have to be careful of the ingredients in some of the things we use. I mean, you know, like sunscreens, lotions, shampoos, lip balm, glosses, spices, salad dressing, soup mix, imitation crab, Worcestershire sauce, Play-Doh, vitamins, etc., can have all sorts of things that will send our health in the wrong direction. Correct? That's absolutely true. Yes. and But also, as far as um, ketogenic goes, you know, it doesn't mean eat a bunch of protein. It also doesn't mean drink a bottle of oil, you know? Um, it's... <laughs> It's, it actually happens with some people. They're like, oh, ketogenic, drink a lot of oil. And no, there's, and it's also very important what kind of fats we're using. So also on my, on my, um, on my website, feedabrain.com, there is a handout that comes with the book that, um, that I'm, I'm giving away for free there. So uh, it's, it's the guide to fats and oils you because it's really important for us to eat the right kind of fat and it's also important for that fat not to be oxidized and oxidation occurs when you know when we heat and eat or sorry when we heat an oil past its smoke temperature and we smell that rancid oil burning smell yeah that's that's the oil oxidizing which um, I, I love it. Matt Matt Lugavere, um wrote about how how what, night of the lipid dead because <laughs> it's like oxidized oils essentially are able to oxid they they take a free they they um, they the free radicals they take oxygen molecules from something else that then becomes oxidized as well. And so it's like he's, he compares it to a zombie apocalypse of oxidized um, oils. So, so what oils careful. can we cook with? What oils do you recommend we cook with? I really like cooking with avocado oil, um, especially if I'm – like I pan sear my steak, and I use, I use avocado oil. And, um, and that's, that's great. Very high temp. It goes up to like 500 degrees before it smokes. You can also use lard. Um, also you can use ghee. 
which is clarified butter. But that's not the same as butter at all. Like butter, like ghee, basically you take out the milk proteins, the lactose and the casein. And so those are removed. And what you have is the butter oil, which smokes at a very high temperature. However, if you have the, uh, the, the milk proteins in there, it will smoke at a much, much lower temperature and become rancid. So if people have a reaction to lactate or milk, then ghee shouldn't create this problem, would it? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. It does for some people. Um, but, but, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely removing a whole lot of those, um, of those proteins that can be difficult for people. Now, helping the listener, uh, when they go in the supermarket, if they see a a label that says all natural, what do you think about that? (laughs) Yes, I have an entire section in the back of my book about um, food labels in the U.S. Because, boy, let me tell you, they they confuse things quite a bit. All natural doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, The term all natural doesn't, um, there's no standards for it. And so somebody can say all, like, you could have eggs that say all natural, that are um, chickens that are grain-fed that um, with GMO grains and that are confined to really, um, really terrible, like, tight, enclosed um, factory farm conditions. And it could say all natural because, you know what, it's chicken. <laughs> so that's, that's what's uh, – that's, that's all natural and uh, – and there are several other labels that are are um, are upsetting, really. And it's it's such a mess. I mean, every time I show the eggs, for example, there's a, a guide to there's a guide to to um, to labels in the U.S. And like, for example, cage free and free range and pasteurized. So many people, when they hear free range, they think of like an open range for birds to to be on a pasture, and that's not the case at all. Free range is actually referring to the range of their extremity, and it it only allows for a little space, a little room where where they can they can move their extremities if they go outside. Wow! Yeah, and other things. <laughs> that's that's be- what I said. Yeah. And other things to be careful of is farmed fish. I mean, some experts say that that's about the worst thing you can eat. It's probably got every pill and pharmaceutical you can imagine, plus Lord knows what else in it. And, um, or, you know, organic is always non-GMO. So organic is something important to look for. Local, mm-hmm. farm fresh, even better. Mm-hmm. And non-GMO Absolutely. is not necessarily organic. So... Uh, it's important. And natural flavorings, one of our guests, Catherine Reed, was quite shocked when she found that was generally very unhealthy with all sorts of toxic things. So we let, have to be aware of labels as well. Real quick, you said farm fresh. 
And no, farm that, is not, is not, I mean, farm fish, no, it's not a good thing to eat. Oh, farm fish, sorry. I thought yeah. you said but farm fresh. But pasture, like, um, you know, raised meat, fine. Grain-fed meat, no. No. And let me, let me say this piece about when you see, like, eggs that say farm fresh, that doesn't mean anything either, just for the listeners, so you know that. So what kind of eggs should we look for? Organic? Organic. Organic means they were on organic feed, but it doesn't as a day they may have been in a confined operation, right? Yeah, so, which will raise their cortisol and give us problems too. So what do we look for in our eggs? I love pasture-raised eggs. Pasture-raised organic eggs, even better. Okay. Uh, We've only got a couple minutes left, so what do you think about the role of exercises or some of these brain exercises? Do you have any comments on that? And we probably Mm -hmm. have like three or four minutes left, so you might want to lead into some of your summarizing points (laughs) as well. All right, yeah. Well, brain exercises, is uh, they're definitely useful. I think um, with our brain... this is what I, I, as I said with that analogy, our, our brain is our garden. Our thoughts are the seeds. Our attention is the sunlight and water. The other aspect, the roots of those plants are nourished by the food that we eat. So there's an analogy to give you an idea of what we need to do to nourish our neurons is feed our brain. And we do that with our food. Now, when we are giving sunlight and water to those plants, we are giving attention to our thoughts. So, so this is where cognitive exercises are very, very useful. This is where we're, we're giving sunlight and water to different aspects, you know. And I think they need to be kind of specialized for what you need to work on, you know. Um, as, as Dr. Dottie Scrozzi says, find what's difficult for you to do and do it, you know, um, there's, there's, uh, I love that concept of his. I think that's a great one that, uh, he's done so much detailed work, but when he summarizes it with that, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, I, I have another analogy if we have time for that. I don't think we do. We've got three minutes left, so uh, (laughs) the floor is yours. Use it as you like. All right, one more. Let's do one more analogy for you. I love analogy because it helps people to understand better. So what? What? uh, When we're building neuronal pathways, we are. When we're strengthening pathways in our brain, when we're building habits, we're essentially going down a road. And if we're going down, uh, if we've gone down a road over and over and over and over and over and over again all of our lives, it's now a six-lane highway, and it is good to go, right? So if we want to change our behavior, we want to do something different, we need to get off that road and go through the woods and build a new path and build a new path as we go. And that's hard work, right? But we, we can do that, and the way, what, but we need to be motivated to do that. So this is where we get into what motivates people, and that's necessity 
motivates people better than anything. And the next thing is purpose. So when we're going through the woods, building something, and it's in alignment with who we are or who we want to be, it is no longer work. It is no longer struggle. It is purposeful. That's great. Yeah. So would uh, neurofeedback help build some of the neuronal pathways? Absolutely. Yes, it can. It didn't play a huge part in my recovery, but uh, Nori Gattis and, and other colleagues of mine do a lot of, of great work with neurofeedback, and they swear by it. So I really like your approach of what uh, gives us purpose. Uh, it becomes not work, which I think is what you're doing. And I think that has a spiritual thing that can inspire us and help us as well. Anyway, we are coming to a close. So I want the listener to, um, you know, look into his own health, do a little research, read Kevin's book, which is called how to Feed a Brain and Nutritional for Optimal Brain and Function and Repair. And do you have a website you want to refer them to? Yes. Go to feedabrain.com. I also have a podcast. It's the Adventures in Brain Injury Podcast, which is a podcast for anyone with a brain. Okay, and I think most of us qualify in that category of having a brain, but I would like to say to the listener, go out, do your research so you can help yourself, help others, and above all, be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.